hyphen a half century after the end of NASA's Apollo era, the United States. Space Agency's long-anticipated bid to return astronauts to the Moon's surface remains at least three years away, with much of the necessary hardware still on the drawing board. But NASA aims to take a giant leap in its renewed lunar ambitions with the debut launch. Set for next Monday in Florida of its next-generation mega-rocket, the Space Launch System SLS, and the Orion crew capsule it is designed to carry. Today's the day, Artemis 1 launch. The rocket, uh, 20 seconds and the, the hydrogen bleed rather was a goal of the previous flight press rehearsal. Uh, they didn't happen due to a hydrogen leak, so uh, engineers are, are focused on gathering as much data as they can at this time, so they have not gone to, uh, to draining the rocket just yet. They're going to keep it in its current configuration. And uh, gather that data. To summarize, uh, we held at uh, T minus 40 minutes and counting. After the team was unable to get uh, past uh, engine bleed that uh, didn't show the right temperature once they got into the engine bleed test. And ultimately, uh, the launch director has called a scrub for the day. The earliest opportunity, depending on what happens with this engine bleed, would be September 2nd. That is available to the launch team. However, we will await a determination of what the plan is to go forward to remedy the engine bleed and then go from there. Again, an availability to launch, the next availability to launch is 12.48 p.m. Eastern Time on Friday, September 2nd. But we must uh, wait to see uh, what shakes out from their test data that they're currently gathering now and uh, the decision that's made by the launch team about where to go from here. We appreciate you watching NASA TV and our coverage of the I'm delighted to have this chance to speak, even if it's just for a few minutes with you, to talk about the opportunities for us as we develop the frontiers of space. I'm often accused of being an optimist, and I plead guilty. That the space age is barely a quarter of a century old. And it's been only 15 years since we witnessed the wonders of the human voice being transmitted from Tranquility Base. But those footprints on the moon showed us that America's future can be determined by our dreams and our visions. And this week's maiden voyage of the Space Shuttle Discovery tells me that our future will be determined by our dreams and our visions. Discovery was a wonderful success launching three communication satellites, as I know you well know, testing an extendable solar power array, producing a pharmaceutical sample in weightlessness, and solid performance from the newest shuttle to join the fleet. And I know that you have seen a film 
and about this, so it would be superfluous for me to uh, go on after what you have seen. Now, there are some, however, who may believe that space is a luxury that we can't afford, that may, they may work to, uh, to protect the past, and I believe it's up to us to invent the future. Pushing back the frontiers of space is a critical investment that will lead to better times still to come. We marveled at the earlier Mercury flights and Gemini and Apollo and the shuttle, and yet we've only seen the beginning of this great human event adventure. And you're the people who write about our space program, and you know how we've pushed civilization forward with our advances in science and technology. And as we reach out to new opportunities, I know you understand that your best stories are yet to come. As long as we challenge our imagination and aim high, there's no end to the potential of space and no end to what we can accomplish in space to improve life on Earth. And of course, that's the whole point of the program in the first place. We're going to keep pushing back the frontier of space and keep opening new doors of discovery, opportunity, and progress. We're going to do it with the shuttle program, and within a decade, we're going to do it with the manned space station. And the benefits our people will receive literally dazzle the imagination. In partnership with business and private enterprise, we can produce rare medicines with the potential of saving thousands of lives and hundreds of millions of dollars. We'll be able to open the door to new opportunities for important breakthroughs in cancer research, in diabetes, and in other diseases. We'll be able to manufacture super chips that improve our competitive position in the world computer market. And we'll be able to develop new metals that are lighter and stronger than any we've ever known. And in partnership with industry and academia, the opportunity to expend basic research will grow and grow, and there will be new discoveries and breakthroughs, new progress. So the promise and the potential are there, and believe me, when you write about it, the stories won't be science fiction. They'll be stories of accomplishment. By accepting the challenge of space, we're carrying forward the same courage and indomitable spirit that made us a great nation. And with people like Elizabeth Dole and Jim Beggs and Tony Callio and Bud Evans to lead the effort, there's no doubt that America's space program will lead to a better America and a better life for all your people. And all our people. The I just had recently a visit to Goddard Space Center. And there, I saw already some of the things that I've been talking about here in general. I saw specific examples that we'll soon be seeing, both in the field of uh, great improvements in health science, but improvements in fabrics and materials developed in outer space that are going to mean great savings of time and uh, money to some of our productive industries and increase their production at the same time that they do all those things. It was really a, a brief trip through Wonderland. So that's the answer to those who in the very beginning fought so hard against the continuation of some of these space programs on the basis that they thought they were just kind of uh, experiments in intellectual curiosity. Well, they're not. They're real and they're practical. So. I've used up more than my time, so I'm, I've been told I have to get out of here. <laughs> so uh, 
may surprise you. You thought that probably I gave the orders, no? <laughs> no. But thank you all very much. God bless you all. Through Artemis, the twin sister of Apollo, we are returning to the moon. This is Orion, the only human-rated spacecraft in the world capable of deep space travel. And now, the Space Launch System, NASA's most powerful rocket since the Apollo era, stands ready. Having undergone and passed numerous tests, the time has come to complete the journey. With hardware originating from every state in the nation and from partners around the world, Artemis One will be the first flight test of each of these components now assembled together. These two solid rocket boosters will provide more than 75% of the thrust necessary to leave Earth. Each booster stands 17 stories tall, a full segment more powerful than the SRBs of shuttle. Together, these boosters are capable of 7.2 million pounds of thrust and will burn for the first two minutes of flight. The core stage, at 212 feet, is the tallest rocket stage NASA has ever built. With the rocket's flight computer secured inside, the core stage is designed to hold 2.3 million pounds of fuel. The 196,000 gallons of liquid oxygen and the 537,000 gallons of liquid hydrogen will combine to provide eight and a half minutes of propellant to the four massive RS-25 engines mounted below. As proven workhorses of the shuttle fleet, each RS-25 engine has a legacy all its own. Together, these four engines provide two million pounds of thrust and with the SRBs, are capable of pushing Orion to a speed of 17,000 miles per hour. The interim cryogenic propulsion stage is a 45-foot-tall upper stage that offers Orion nearly 25,000 pounds of thrust. Performing two separate burns, the ICPS will first raise Orion's orbit and then, later, propel it out on a trajectory to the moon. The ICPS is powered by a single RL-10 engine that will perform these two burns. This storied engine has propelled robotic missions to every planet in the solar system, including Voyager 1 and Voyager 2, the first space probes to reach interstellar space. Orion's service module, provided by the European Space Agency, is the powerhouse that fuels and propels Orion in space. It stores the spacecraft's propulsion, thermal control, electrical power, and critical life support systems, such as water, oxygen, and nitrogen. Orion's crew module is the pressurized segment of the spacecraft, where future crews will live and work on journeys to the moon. Capable of accommodating four crew members for up to 21 days, this capsule includes state-of-the-art avionics, innovative crew systems, and the largest heat shield of its kind for entry back into the Earth's atmosphere. Positioned at the top of Orion is the Launch Abort System, designed to pull the crew to safety in the event of an emergency 
on the pad or during launch. Three solid rocket motors can activate in milliseconds, accelerating from zero to 500 miles per hour in two seconds to propel Orion and crew safely away from the rocket. Now fully assembled, Artemis One stands at 322 feet. Artemis is no longer a series of separate parts and programs. United together, this is the first of Artemis's arrows, capable of ushering in the next chapter of human lunar exploration. Only together, this mighty system represents all that is possible, all that we are capable of when united around a stunning vision. With each component playing its part in a grander effort, we the people of NASA and our partners, we the people of the Artemis generation all around this beautiful world will bear witness to what we are capable of. Together, we are going back to the moon. Connected. Hello, user. Like these, these look than they do directions or something like that. It was. But I'm guessing there's something to do with the recipe. When you get back, let's read all the book again, and we'll we'll try to figure it out from there. All the books except for the dusty one. Just tell you what they are when you look. The dusty one actually okay. reads you the the that there's like something that like it tells you the okay, history of the, the guy. Let's read the dusty book then. Um, I'm out smoking. I'm guessing that must be man because he does this thing where he doesn't have a microphone or something. Um, <clears throat> I can't see right now, so you're gonna have to wait for me to come back inside because I'm out smoking. So sweet, so crisp.
Okay, here I come. They sent you. Don't be too proud of this technological terror close to the system. He, he felt surprised. The only Why thing I can think of. The is <clears throat> Darth Vader. They didn't try really everything with the hatch. I mean, there's gotta be something with the hatch. When they hear you've attacked a diplomat. Alright, let's see what man is trying to say. Several transmissions were beamed to the ship by rebel spies. I want to know what happened to the plans they sent you. Don't be too proud of this technological terror you've constructed. The ability to destroy a planet is insignificant next to the It's me and Jonathan. Don't the answer to your question. You're right. Alright, the only thing I can think of is that we gotta fuck with the hatch. There's gotta be something to do with this hatch. Uh, so read the only book you could again. Open but hand. See what it says. Push hatch. Your lack of faith disturbing. You seem unsettled. Um. No, just press for time. There's a great many things to attend to. My apologies. You do have a great many things. Full hatch. Your powers are weak, old oh. man. Just walk to it. Oh, okay. Asteroids do not concern me, Admiral. Nice. We are playing a game. Yes, but you can see on Twitch if you'd like. I'll make the post blank for you. You said they'd be left in the city under my supervision. I am altering the deal. Pray I don't alter it any further. There you go. I don't think there's anything in that room, but there's two ways to go downstairs. You were not summoned here to grovel, Director Krennic. I know you can't talk. There will be a substantial reward for the one who finds the Millennium Falcon. You are free to use any method. Door and another hatch. Want them alive. No disintegrations. As you wish. Lord Vader, this is an unexpected pleasure. We're honored by your presence. You may dispense with the pleasantries, Commander. I'm here to put you back. I assure you, Lord Vader, my men are working as fast as they can. Perhaps I can find new ways to. Oh, jam potato. That yeah, this is on Linux. Apology accepted. Got wine. Nice. Enough of this. Vader, release him. There's also a giant something. This bickering is pointless. Giant something. I an audience to make certain that he understands. Down it's towards the bottom remarkable. right inside of the screen. Potential. Oh, giant it's piece of something. I Don't fail me again. Okay. Okay, so I got gunpowder. We would be honored if you would join us. Here. Lord Vader, what about and the other room? Yep. They must never again leave this city. That was never a condition of our agreement, nor was giving hand to this bounty hunter. Perhaps you think you're being treated unfairly? Good. It would 
be unfortunate if I had to leave the garrison here. This deal is getting worse all the time. Lord Vader, the fleet has moved down to flight speed and we're preparing to up. This is called Monkey Island, and it is on the mix, yes. last time, Admiral. Captain Piet. Yes, my lord. Make ready to land our troops beyond their energy field, then deploy the fleet so that nothing gets off the system. You are in command now, Admiral Piet. Thank you, Lord Vader. You'll speak to the Emperor about war. Nice. Okay, we got a key. Oh. Okay. I don't know what we want to do with that. <clears throat> not to choke on your aspirations, Director. <clears throat> then perhaps you can tell him when he arrives. The Empress coming here? That is correct, Commander. And he is most displeased with your apparent lack of progress. We shall double our efforts. I hope so, Commander, for your sake. The Emperor is not as forgiving as I am. Paper and cinnamon sticks. S's. Okay. Okay. Yep. So is she all right? Uh it seems in your anger you killed her. Let's see. Cinnamon sticks, right? Yep. Um human skull. Blood and brimstone. She'll die before she'll tell you anything. Leave that to me. Send a distress signal and then inform the Senate that all aboard were killed. Lord Vader, the battle station plans are not aboard this ship, and no transmissions were made. An escape pod was jettisoned during the flight. So, so gunpowder? I don't know what the monkey blood is. Do you think the gunpowder? Yep, gunpowder is partly made of brimstone, yep. Don't be too proud of this technological terror you've constructed. 
the ability to destroy a planet is insignificant next to the power of the force. I don't know what the monkey blood would be. What did you use? Supposedly, the FBI agents reviewed the 15 boxes provided to the National Archives from May 16, 18, and the Mar-a-Lago search warrant affidavit details the amount of classified material that was found. Federal investigators wrote there were 183 unique documents bearing classification markings, including 67 documents marked as confidential, 92 documents marked as secret, and 20 to 5 documents marked as top secret. The affidavit says that there were markings on the documents with multiple classified, compartmentalized controls. Based on my training and experience, I know that documents classified at these levels typically contain national defense information. According to the affidavit, several other documents also contain what appears to be the former president's 
handwritten notes, says in the affidavit, Arkin, a classification marking meaning originator controlled, Arkin means that any further distribution of intelligence or its inclusion in another document must be approved by the originating agency. So, for example, if the CIA owns Intel in question, CIA would have to release it, for it be included elsewhere. HCS, and Human Intelligence Control System, control system designed to protect human sources the actual foreign spies that provide information to the United States, human, or human intelligence not for, a classification marking meaning not for release, to foreign nationals. Information marked not for cannot be released to partner nations. For example, you see this a lot on docs. C. C is designed to protect signals intelligence, including communications and electronics intelligence, was formerly named for the first product afforded protection, which was Comment Communications Intelligence. Now, it is called the Special Intelligence C Control System. C information is only available to holders of C access approval and is managed by the Director of the National Security Agency. What's it called um, again? It's called For All Mankind. For All Mankind. A parallel yeah. history. Yeah. I think it's based on a book. I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's a book. So Ar- Artemis, like this books. is, the, the new one is Artemis. You know this, right? The Artemis program? Yeah, aren't they bringing that out? Where, where is that going to go? Is that going to that's the moon? Go, well, that's going to the yeah, moon that's first. Going around that's going around the moon and back. Well, that's also to colonize the moon. You know what I find interesting? Speaking of that you're bringing this up, the fact that we lost all the technology from the Apollo mission. Correct. See, this is, this is what baffles my mind. Do you have any perspective on this? I, I just think it's a shame. I think it's ridiculous that we lost so much momentum on all that stuff. And so it's fun, it's exciting to think about what, how it could have been, and it's exciting also at this time that this is all becoming relevant again now that we are, you know, the Chinese have really stepped up. Uh, the Chinese are really going heavy into the moon and beyond, and it's going to become a race again. And the other thing is that, like, the geopolitical, um, I'm not going to say warfare, but it's like, the competitiveness between companies to assert dominance like that is very relevant today so you, you know it's kind of weird that they tell the story about what was de facto a cold war between the US and Russia and right now there is like again a cold war between the US and Russia and that you know China is getting involved and like so all these things are kind of we're kind of foreseen in the show um mm. So it's kind of, you know, when you read about it in the paper, I mean, not like you get the paper, I'm guessing, but when you read about it online, it it can be so depressing and so, like, um, stressful to think, holy fuck, we're we're back in another Cold War all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. How did this happen to us? But to have something that's, like, fictional, that is exciting, that... It's also a mindfuck at times too. Like it's yeah. a nice. Yeah, because you nice can play it out. It. You can safely play out this rivalry between Russia and the United States. Right. There aren't real people dying. You know, it's entertainment. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it, it helps process the, those feelings in a different way. 
But I think, you know what? I think you're onto something because I saw an, um, a space history, you know, NASA history program on, you know, PBS months ago. And they said the theory of this, you know, the way the documentary was structured was that there was a fear that the Russians would get to the moon first. So that's why they made the investment in JFK pushed it, okay, and they supported it. Well, yeah, so, they, I mean, they, they got into orbit first. They got the first satellite up there, so yeah. I think that spooked us into, like, we gotta really do this, but, like, in the show, NASA, because we, we were investing so, excuse me, so heavily in NASA, um, what happened was, like, <laughs> the technology that was developed by NASA became so profitable that NASA became like a profit center and it was able to at a certain point sustain itself and pay for itself so it wasn't like this multi-billion dollar budget for NASA it was like NASA was printing money in, in the end so they were able to fund their own way to Mars and all this stuff and you could just imagine like you know you look at MIT how does MIT do what it's doing well it's power revenue I mean yeah like the alumni donate some but and of course they, they charge tuition but like dude like anytime you watch TV uh, I mean anytime you buy a TV MIT's getting paid for that like the HD TV patents uh, 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 a lot uh, came out of uh, MIT but that's just one example like so many things you buy and consume like MIT's getting a little piece of that back end and that's how they're keeping this whole institute afloat and like that could have been NASA, you know. Well, let me ask you this question again. And I don't mean to interrupt you, I'm sorry, but how did we lose this technology to the Apollo program? It, it, it's, it's one of the biggest lost potentials. I mean, I mean, I can't really tell you how. It was just, is I it, don't know. I, I don't it, know. It, I, I think, like, the, the point of the show would tell you it was almost our own success, that, like, we achieved something... And we want quote unquote one, and then we didn't need to try that hard anymore. Mm. And I think like that—that's sort of an analogy to this country at large. It's like we've just been asleep at the switch. We we kept, took our eye off the ball. What were we? What what does winning mean? What is the? What are the rules of the game? What is the field? The game play, field of engagement. And, like, because the Chinese were the underdogs, they never took the eye off the ball. And they sort of leapfrogged us in many ways. Yeah. And you could say, well, they were playing dirty, but who made the rules? I mean, if the, if the, the winner is the one making the rules, they're going to make it so that they always are the winners. And the Chinese said, fuck that. Like, we're going to make our own rules. We're not going to be constrained by these rules. We're going to do whatever it takes to get on top. And they've really done that and are doing that. And, like, it, it's hard to, you know, one of the things that bothers me is, like, what happened with Hong Kong. That that was a democracy, that that was, they had freedom of speech, and then it was taken away. And now it's just basically a glorified state, Russian state, and, like, they're going to do the same thing And... But see, I think that in this case, they're really overstepping their bounds in a way that 
they're gonna lose um, because not because the U.S. is gonna step in and go to war with them, but because big companies are realizing, oh my God, it's like a liability if if our whole supply chain is in China, and with the stroke of a pen, Chinese government can just shut us down, and we got nothing. That's too big of a risk. So they need to diversify their supply chain into Vietnam and into India and into Brazil and even back into the good old US of A. And once companies diversify out of China, even when all this posturing was over, they're not going back. I mean, it's going to force us to evolve outside of that whole made in China era. And where things are manufactured, it's going to become way more spread out and multi, multi-supply chains. So I think that they're really shooting themselves in the foot with this in a way that they're going to be losing a lot of money over it. And um, we'll see what happens, man. We'll see what happens. It's going to be a rocky road until then because this is going to unfold over a decade you know speaking of speaking of you know colonizing the moon did you hear that Elon Musk said about terraforming Mars and uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson was recently asked this he, uh, well, he, what about it oh Elon, Elon is uh, proposing we bomb the, the poles of Mars uh, with nuclear weapons um, <sighs> Um, yeah, and, and, and what's the what's the point of that? What's it going to supposed to accomplish? To to cool the 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 you know the land, you know, yeah. Well, it's, it doesn't just need to be cooled. It needs to be warm. See, warm. the problem with Mars is that it's so extreme. It, it goes from like negative seventy Celsius up to like two hundred Celsius. So it's like on either side of that, it's not survivable. The, the yeah. thing that, that is great about Earth is that we have an atmosphere. Uh, we have liquid water. Um, you know, in Mars, there might be ice there, but because there's no atmosphere, uh, if you mine the ice, the second it hits, uh, well, there's no air really there, but the, the, the second it becomes free, it just instantly vaporizes. So you, yeah, liquid water on Mars, um, and, and that's a big problem, dude. And, and no atmosphere, that's a big problem. I don't know how you could create a whole atmosphere, and I don't know how you could have enough oxygen so to sustain yes. like a biohab. Yeah, but let me ask you this: so why is so much attention paid to Mars if it's so inhospitable? Why do we keep putting resources? Well, drones. It's like, Rovers, expeditions. Well, it's like Kennedy said, we don't do it because it's easy. We do it because it's hard. Uh, it's the challenge of it. Uh, yeah, well, Artemis is supposed to be, you know, creating a base on on the moon, and that way we can explore into deeper space. You know, once we had that established, then we can have that as a launching pad to other places. Yeah, I mean, I mean, 
like space exploration is okay like there's scientific applications of it that's fine um that, that are good but and i wouldn't recommend to get like obviously i'm a fan of space exploration but really what we need is better sustainable uh, energy you, you know we, we need nuclear fusion that's the big holy grail that, that we need to be focused on because that's going to open up way better options for space exploration and it's going to open up way better uh, the ability for us to scale here on earth as well without all the mining stuff and without all the um global warming stuff so i think like space is just it's not the biggest priority in my mind it, it is it is important but the real part of one is nuclear fusion. That is what we I think there's been proposals for them to use nuclear fusion on the moon. They can build reactors. Well, I mean, nobody's been able to prove it. No, nobody's been able to keep it outside of the sun. Oh. Like, the sun's the only thing we know that can do nuclear fusion. No one's been able to do it in the lab. Recently, they, they were able to get nuclear fusion ignition working in a lab but only for like microseconds it wasn't even one second they had it going it was just for a split second they had the reaction going so they're still working really hard to make nuclear fusion happen but that's been something that is going to take a breakthrough and no one can predict when that breakthrough is going to come and it's been we've been on the verge of a breakthrough there for like 50 years so there's just no telling and whoever whoever owns that technology really is gonna bank unbelievably because nuclear fusion is so much safer than nuclear fission nuclear fission you have the meltdown of the core and all that stuff and you have you know the story you have chernobyl and all these type of things like when it fails it fails bad like a lot of people die like the whole area is in non-inhabitable for a few thousand years and so forth but with nuclear fusion if you lose power or if you have a meltdown or something like that um it just stops just nothing happens you know you end up with like a lot of hot water um it's steam it's not the end of the world uh so it's safer too you can do it on a much smaller scale also, so you don't have to have this big, big nuclear plant. You can have these mini plants that could power a grid, a few city blocks or whatever, right. and, and you put them around like a generator. I mean, it's bigger than a generator. It's a large generator, but um, it's way more flexible too. So I just feel like, okay, what's the NASA budget? Like $10 billion or something like that. All of that money should be put into nuclear fusion, and then like we can let we can let SpaceX have space exploration for some time, and, and once we have nuclear fusion, come back around to space exploration, and we'll be able to really get so much further, so much faster. We'll be able to make it to Mars and beyond with humans, you know. Yeah. Um, or with drones or robots, you know, because they still haven't figured out how humans are going to survive the the trip to Mars. 
because of the radiation yeah, belt. Yeah, very far. <sighs> yeah, it takes years and years. So, we don't know.
Rex and configure the vehicle for undocking. Once the automated undocking sequence is complete, Dragon will complete two departure burns using its Draco engines, pushing it away from the space station. And then after Dragon departs the station, it's ready for its trip home. And that'll have deorbit entry and landing and a number, number of other operations. If you're looking at this animation, it might look like we're playing the one we played originally in reverse, because that's kind of how it goes, but just a little bit quicker. Uh, all of the operations following the final departure maneuver will include things like trunk separation, closing that nose cone again, executing a deorbit burn, and once they're inside the atmosphere, deploying drogue and then main parachutes, and then finally splashing down off the Florida coast, at which team time teams will move in, get Bob and Doug up out of the water, and get them out of the capsule once they're on the boat. So. We have four minutes now until we get that next expected weather update. Let's go down now to the team at Kennedy. Murray? All right, thanks, Dan. If you're just joining us, we are now T-minus 23 minutes and 48 seconds from the first launch of astronauts to the International Space Station from U.S. soil in nine years. We're going to find out in less than four minutes if the weather looks good for that. Um, and this will mark the beginning of a new era where more people will be able to fly to space than ever before. Um, in fact, we took a poll a little bit earlier to ask you if you had the opportunity to fly to space, would you go? And 86% of those of you watching answered that you would go to space. That's an incredible number. I think, you know, realizing that you don't have to be a military astronaut or a NASA astronaut to fly in space. You can be a regular civilian, you know, just a regular person going up to space on a SpaceX type rocket. So I think that's why the numbers are so high. Yeah, and, and we are really thrilled to, uh, to see all the folks uh, watching along online. I know we certainly hope that, uh, that this is a go, but we're, again, we're going to hear a little bit of a weather update in less than three minutes now. And Leland, you know, I know they're waiting for a weather update, and they've come, you know, almost all the way down the count. What do you think Bob and Doug are thinking about right now? You know, we, uh, on one twenty SES-129, we were having some weather problems, and I think we were getting close to the countdown, and then it seemed like the sky just cleared up right above our heads. We saw it, and we knew where we were going, and, you know, we always know that, you know, you can have any types of delays, fuel prop delays, all kinds of things that can happen, but we've trained over and over and over again for these types of scenarios and so you know we want to be safe we want to be safe for our families and uh we'll you know do this another day if it doesn't work with the weather i love that john i always says weather it's that thing that everybody talks about but no one can do anything about it <laughs> I know. and it is this interesting thing of just you know succumbing to, right. to mother earth she's going to tell us if we can go or not today uh right yeah well, if it happens, I mean, look at it this way. Bob and Doug got one really great rehearsal in, right? <laughs> it's always best to practice and practice and practice, yes. So, again, we're less than two minutes now from that weather update that uh, is going to go directly to Bob and Doug, and we will quiet down so we can listen in for that because I know we can't wait to find out what that is. And uh, those of you watching that have been following along, um, we are eagerly awaiting to hear um, whether the weather is going to be a showstopper today. Give us some command behind the machine. Live stream from NASA. These clouds can seem really deceiving at times, right? You see the blue skies peeking through and you think everything's fine, but you just don't know. 
That's why we have those launch weather officers. Absolutely. And I know, you know, we've talked about it before, but it's not just the weather in Florida that they're looking at. They've got to look at weather downrange. If they if they were to have an abort um, in flight and they needed to come down somewhere in the, in the ocean, uh, they need to consider what the weather's like out there because recovery teams have to go out and get them in a situation like that. So there's so many variables, um, and that's why um, not just – with this flight, but you know, with every human space flight we've had in the past, there's always a very good chance of of a scrub because because you do have so much criteria that you have to meet. And we're going to listen in now. We're just seconds away from a weather update. Stage two RP one load complete. liquid oxygen you see venting off the rocket that's completely normal and expected we're standing by for a weather update um, unless you can give us another uh, 10 minutes I don't think we're going to get there uh, with any of the rules today I'm going to give you 10 minutes I mean <laughs> another 10 minutes past T0 oh, 1645 local I think we'll probably be clear on all the rules but uh, not quite, not quite going to make it for this Okay, we're going to check back in with you in about two minutes, and then I'll call it up at about uh, 17 minutes. Okay. Yeah, we got, we, there's some of them are starting to count down, but we still have one above 2,000. So if that gets below, uh, And that didn't sound great right there. That was the weather net going out, but we're still standing by for a final decision. And we're going to continue to listen in for an update, but in the meantime, we're going to go over to John Innsbrucker at SpaceX headquarters in California. John? And Dragon SpaceX on weather. Uh, we're still... T-minus 18 minutes and counting. Uh, LD is we uh, are still, still red on weather. Uh, expect an update from LD. We're waiting in about uh, another in minute for one final check with weather. We're going to check at okay, T-minus 17 minutes, possibly. We don't really expect that things will have improved. Uh, the weather officer was not optimistic that uh, the weather would clear up that rapidly. We did hear the launch director, Mike T Taylor, joke that, you know, if we uh, could move uh, 10 more minutes uh, past the T-0, weather conditions may improve. But Mike was not able to do that. We have an instantaneous window today. So at 17 minutes, we want to make that call because shortly after that, we will begin loading liquid oxygen onto the second stage. So if we're not going to have the opportunity to launch, launch the clock's going to run out, stand by. continue to violate a couple different weather rules that we now do not expect to clear in time to allow for a launch today. We 
go ahead and end uh, today's launch attempt. Launch control. Go ahead and end the launch auto sequence and proceed into the launch abort auto sequence, please. Launch abort has started. Dragon SpaceX, unfortunately, um, we are not going to launch today. You are go for 5.100 launch scrub. 5.100, it was a good effort by the teams, and we understand, and we'll uh, meet you there. Copy all. We've heard the call from the crew. They have been informed. Launch Director Mike Kaler uh, has called a scrub for the day. And we got the feedback when uh, the Dragon team informed uh, Bob and Doug. They said we gave it a good try, what they understand, and uh, we are here to try another day. So right now we did uh, officially hold the clock. It looks like a T minus 16 minutes, 54 seconds. The launch automatic sequence that controls the Falcon 9, the loading of propellants, the cycling of valves, that is also stopped. We now proceed into what is a normal scrub sequence for us. We practice this every launch. So now we move into safely taking the propellants, the pressurization gases back off the first and second stages. As things get into a safe configuration, then we will uh, disarm the escape system on Dragon, and we'll bring the crew access arm back around the uh, spacecraft. So right now, we got down to just inside 17 minutes. The hardware was working very well on both Dragon and spacecraft. We had the uh, fuel loading going on. We had liquid oxygen loading going on, everything but the second stage. And the weather just needed a little bit more time to clear the conditions. We didn't have that time because we had an instantaneous window. And so with that, SpaceX launch director had to call upon the input from okay, weather, had to call a scrub for the day per the safety rules that we have for this flight. So right now the team is undergoing the uh, post-scrub operations on both Dragon uh, as well as Falcon 9 working with the range. No issues being reported right now as we start to go through that sequence. Everything looks good. And uh, Dan, uh, we had a we had a good uh, webcast going here until the very end, so uh, you know we'll look at it as uh, now we've had another great uh, dry rehearsal. Last Saturday we did a dry one, I should say, and today we've done a wet dress rehearsal. But sorry, we just couldn't get there, Dan. Yeah, thanks, John. I and obviously we can't control the weather. We came right down to the wire there, hoping we could just squeeze in between those cloud systems to get a launch today, but it wasn't to be. Uh, but it doesn't mean this we're done. We're going to have another attempt coming up in just three days, so we're going to be doing this all over again essentially on Saturday uh, on the 30th, and that launch attempt is going to be coming at 3.22 p.m. Eastern time, so a little bit earlier in the day. It's going to look largely the same to everything that we saw today with the crew waking up, going through suit up, making their way to the pad. So it's gonna, we're going to feel a lot of deja vu, I think, on Saturday. Yep. Um, but still exciting. Um, safety is always first. So if weather was not there for us today, hopefully Saturday it will be there for us and we will have a safe launch on Saturday. 
Yeah, the initial weather report still had us at about, I think, a 40% uh, possibility of violation. So weather a little bit better, but we're still going to be kind of rolling the dice. It is Florida in the spring and summer, so storms are always a possibility. Uh, one of the good things, though, the vehicle appeared to be in great health throughout the day, both Dragon and Falcon 9, so we didn't have to scrub for any technical issue. We're going to continue and follow along with Bob and Doug until they're out of that capsule, as, again, they had started loading fuel onto the Falcon 9 rocket, so they'll have to wait until all that... goes with every launch we do track everything all the way down to t0 to make sure that everything is go making sure that the range is go weather is go so this is standard procedure um, we always tend to make sure that we have a backup day launch day in case we do have scrubs like today so this is this is pretty normal and standard um, nothing to be worried about Again, we do this for the safety of our vehicles as well as today we had astronauts on our vehicle. So even bigger reason for us to make sure that we have safe weather for them to fly. And it takes about 40 minutes for all of this propellant to come off of the Falcon 9. And while it is offloading that launch escape system on Dragon, which is designed to pull the capsule away if there's any issue with the rocket or anything on the pad, that is still armed. So we're going to continue to stay with this until all the propellant's off, and then we'll see the launch escape system get disarmed. Bob and Doug will be able to open up their vi I saw they scrubbed it. Hey, uh, so you saw it got scrubbed, right? Yeah. Yeah. What happened? Bad weather? Man, oh, man. No, man. <laughs> oh, man. It's true. Yeah, it, it is. They knew it. They, they could see everybody on the um, day or two ago. It was like, it looks like there's going to be some... Uh, weather you know disruptions coming in at, at right around the time dude it was literally like 16 minutes or something launch and they, they scrubbed it that's it but they were in the, they, i've been watching this for three hours these guys went in there wow at like three o'clock or something maybe it's not maybe but it's sad i mean just the fact that it was like a combined effort, the first launch ever between, you know, private and uh, government, you know, SpaceX, NASA combo. Here we are. You know what I mean? Like, that's a pioneering effort. Oh, yeah. And, uh, but you know what? What do you fucking do? Like, you want to risk your biscuit? Just, you know, hurry. Think of another day and... Saturday, 320. Eastern time. 
when I was a kid, my grandma, like, the reason I got a lot of um, video games and stuff when I was a kid was uh-huh. uh, my grandma wasn't there, and neither was her husband, who was also, it's not my real true grandfather, but was, um, you know, a, a grandfather figure to me, of course, and throughout my whole life and stuff like that. But uh, he was the guy who would always give me the, the, the freshest games and stuff like that. So they would go from power plant to power plant, but they also worked on um, space shuttles and stuff like that. Oh, which one? And uh, That's cool. Uh, exactly, because, you know, classified. You know what I mean? <laughs> but uh, that's how it was for me. It was like, hey, what are you working that's on? Awesome. Uh, I tell you, it was you know, space shuttle. Like, wow, that's cool. And I'd see, like, I have, like, Polaroids of, like, you know, space shuttles and... Oh, cool. Yeah, you know, like, uh, like you know, I but it was it was kind of like, even things I've worked on, I think, you know, like, remember, hey, do you, you, recently you got that email from me about the Neptune Pound and stuff like that, right? Yeah, like that. Is that me, like, working on that thing? Yes, that's what I'm saying. It's like they told me I can't share that because it's kind of like government or whatever. So I haven't shared it publicly, but, well, they said, yeah, because it's kind of like, it's a trade secret thing, but uh, like how our techniques of how to, how we treat statues and stuff like that and other people won't steal it or whatever. But but now it's been years later and I, I feel like we're kind of the door just creaking open. So I'm probably just going to put it on full blast, but I still, you know, when anniversary comes around, I think I was something special I did. I wanted to be able to share that, you know. Yeah. Regardless, I just shared it with some special friends and you're one of those my Mr. Matt <laughs> maybe like what I'm doing I'm using fire and fuel and energy and patinas to work on uh, nation's treasures or national treasure yeah. national treasures I'm possessional treasures one monument at a time hey but how you doing okay you know what? I feel like it's it's the right choice as much as I don't like the result. Because it's like me. It's like, why would you... It's kind of like um, current administration. Like, let's open. Let's do everything. Everything's going to be fine. And it's like, man, if there's any shred of doubt you putting lives at risk, why would you risk it, man? We could just put it off till two more days. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, what's the difference? There's no difference, man. In the cosmic tumblers of time, there isn't any difference. So why is everybody in such a rush? You know what I mean? And why would you uh, risk, risk the biscuit of human lives and the whole building and years and years of strategy and... Uh, you know, scientific research and stuff to just, you know, get waylaid by some strike of lightning or something stupid, you know, just the two-day delay. Why would you, or even like, you know, in, in, in human life, two-week two delay. How about this? Like, say we're at 100,000 deaths, right? I mean, we can all agree on that. Let's say that, uh, you know, we open it up now, okay? Well, like where we're at, we're at stage one. We're gonna start creaking the door. We're gonna uh, put our foot out, and we're gonna 
step out of the world and do what we do. But then, like, two weeks later, we're inundated with fucking cases of COVID. Beep. And you're like, damn, we have to shut it down again. Friendly. And then, uh, so then what happens is, all of a sudden, you know, then that takes a couple weeks, and then boom, boom, boom. Next thing you know, we're back at the fall, and we're like, oh my god, we're now the big slow tsunami is coming back, and we're we're in big trouble then because we just couldn't. You know, I understand, dude. I'm the most impatient person in the world. Alex would tell you the same thing. She would say. Jay, you're probably the most impatient person I've ever known. And, I, and, and she would be right. And, I, and if you ask 100 people, hey, are you an impatient person? 90, nine out of 10 doctors would say, I'm an impatient person. You know, like, I am a guy who, like, I would just dive out the window to get out of here. You know what I'm saying? But I won't do it because I know the truth that if I, I would survive, but it doesn't mean that it's going to be okay for anyone else who is susceptible or old or kids, stuff like that. Who I allow myself who, to do it. Who owns SpaceX? Huh? Who owns SpaceX? Uh, Elon Musk. Elon Musk. Yeah, and he's a space guy, and so is uh, Bezos. He's got Blue Origin. Yep. And... Uh, I, I think that I think the whole thing between all these uh, big wigs is very interesting. Who is like elbowing to be the uh, the frontier person of space travel, and like who's gonna say like I claim the moon? And uh, you know, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Like we're we're all we're all knee deep in our own gar- garbage, waiting for the next bus to the moon, aren't we? Ha <laughs> uh-huh. That's a fact. Ain't nobody disputing that shit. I I, I would or, or that stuff. I would uh, I would I gladly argue anyone who would contest that that conundrum. I'm sorry I swear all the time, but you know what? When kids get older, they'll understand. They'll understand the man eventually. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, shoulder shrug. You know, it's all about hugs. Hugs and love. Hugs and love. I have sought to answer some of the great questions. But there are other challenges, other big questions which must be answered, and these will also need a new generation who are interested, engaged, and with an understanding of science. How will we feed an ever-growing population? Provide clean water, generate renewable energy, prevent a pure disease, slow down global climate change. I hope that science and technology will provide the answers to these questions, but it 
Just give it up. 